0: I'm Jake Corley.
1: And I'm Mark LaCour.
0: You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by Redway. This is the show for busy oil professionals who want to quickly keep their fingers on the pulse of the industry. And welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas This Week. You're listening to episode 102. What's going on, Mark? 102. Uh, we're still looking
1: for a sponsor for our episode 100 live event. <laughs> so if anybody out there would like to get in front of our enormous global audience or reach out to us, we'd love to work with you. You know, the other thing that's going on, Jake, is we've gotten all of a sudden on this like university kick. It's it's interesting. It's, it's amazing. At the Same time. Yeah. So we've already got Tulane booked now, April 6th. You don't even know this yet, Jacob. Oh, wow. This is new. Let me
0: put this in my calendar. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's uh, already been uh, paid for. It's uh, April 6th. We'll be down in New Orleans for, uh, speaking to the people out, out there at Tulane. great, great group of people out there. And then uh, Columbia is, uh, they've settled on a date out in New York, either April 21st or 28th. However, we're still looking for sponsorship. So if you'd like to help us get to Columbia University and speak to that student association, we'll make sure you're invited as well and you get your company gets promoted. Uh, we give the colleges and universities out there a very, very, very steep discount because we like to help out. Um, and we got, I think, Mississippi State, and we're even in the process of talking to, um, to the Aggies. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. Yeah. so if, um, you know, if you're a university or college association out there and you like Jake and I to come speak, let us know because we're booking up quickly. But we love to do this sort of stuff.
0: And I might have an in force for the School of Mines as well. Ooh, that would be awesome. Um, and speaking of
1: stuff like that, you know, our on-the-road sponsor this year, you've heard us talk about them before, they're making a lot of this stuff possible for us, is Lee Heck and Harrison. Um, they're global experts in talent management, and over 75% of the Fortune 500 oil and gas companies, Jake, use them to simplify the complexity of leadership. So if you're a company and you have a workforce, reach out to Lee Heck and Harrison. They are awesome, awesome, great company, a lot of oil and gas experience out there. And then we're going to be at Geo Convention May 15th and 19th in Calgary, Canada. Uh, we need to do a little bit more promoting out there because Dustin let me know they have a few boost spots left. If you want to grab one of these discounted boost spots, it's normally $1,800. Dustin's uh, letting you have them for 1600 bucks. if you're listening to the show. Jake can stick a link in the show notes where you can just email Dustin direct. And what else is going on, Jake? Where else are we going to be?
0: So we've got OTC in May. We're going to be doing, uh, I think, two live recordings. I know one at least from the NOV Shrimp Boil and perhaps another one. Uh, And then there's also at uh, OTC, there's another event that I was just emailed about, which I think I will actually participate in. It's the 2017 Rice Alliance OTC Startup Roundup. So this is specifically for 40 emerging growth and energy technology companies uh, and offers an opportunity to present your technology to the OTC attendees. Um, It's a good place to either get new customers or get feedback or just exposure, um, or at the very least, it's practice for you to get in front of uh, a group of people and actually speak and actually pitch your company. So I myself might participate in that in addition to us recording. So... Uh yeah, so, look at that. so we're
1: going to be giving away some passes to OTC cuz we're going to be uh, recording all three podcasts live from the National World of Arco Shrimp Bowl and from the OTC floor. So we'll give you details as we get closer. And then this Rice Alliance. Jake, I think this is the second year they've done this. Um this really? is a okay, a pretty, pretty cool gig. Um it's a uh, you know we, we may all come cheer you on.
0: <laughs> Actually, now that you now that you mentioned it, they they have been doing this for a few years. I went uh 2 years ago. Uh, it was it was a really good event. They have free food, free drinks. So <laughs> <The> important stuff. <laughs> exactly.
1: All right. So Jake, you've done a great job, man. You had some really great news articles. What are we gonna lead off with?
0: All right, so oil and gas MA just broke all records. Two thousand seventeen has been the best year for MA so far ever. Uh, according to Dealogic transactions reached a total of 63.3 billion with a B dollars in the first 6 weeks of 2017 which is the largest amount ever for this period. The US accounts for 85% of these deals totaling 53.6 billion up from 11.8 billion last year. And a big portion of this is two mega deals to, um, here in the U.S. Uh, there was a huge transaction between Williams Co. and Williams Partners uh, in the midstream space for $11.4 billion, uh, as well as a $17.2 billion takeover of One Oak Partners by One Oak Inc.,
1: yeah, so this is a good article. Jake, I have a link in the show notes. A couple of things that um, this article, they don't actually talk about in detail, but it, it, you have to think through this. So this is telling you that the investor community has faith that our uh, oil prices have basically stabilized right we're in this low crude price environment but the, but they the investor community feels that now's the time that you can actually capitalize with if you have capital on this in this low crude price environment so that means the financially sound firms that are developing really good plays out there especially and the shell place here in the US, in the US, they're right smack in the sights of these big these big investment firms. Um, and so, you know, a lot of companies have worked for years to get themselves in that space and you're starting to see this um, M&A activity start to accelerate. We call this one wrong. We thought this actually was going to happen a couple of years ago and we just missed it completely. But another interesting thing is the M&A activity in Canada is actually um, uh, on the uprise too. Um, and there's, there's another place where there's a lot of good assets that you can p- pick up relatively cheap right now. Um, so, you know, once this starts to accelerate, you are start having other investment groups look at this, like private equity, um, which may actually accelerate on this, because then it's going to be a race, right? Who can buy stuff quickest? Uh, you may actually see prices get inflated for a while because of all the money that's being dumped into the market, which would just be good for the companies and the people that are getting acquired. So we'll keep an eye on this. This is good stuff.
0: All right. Next up is another article. Uh, it's titled, What Energy Independence... Really means. Uh, so there's a new section on the White House's website under the Trump administration that's titled uh, "An American America First Energy Plan." Uh, and this section goes into detail about th- how the U.S. Uh, can supply its own energy needs with petroleum within our borders and achieve "quote unquote" energy independence from the OPEC cartel and any nations hostile to our interests. So, what does the U.S. actually give up if we cut ourselves off from foreign for- uh, foreign sources of energy?
1: Yeah, so, so we've talked about this in parts and pieces before. So we listed the export ban, which means we can now sell our light sweet crude to the refineries around the world that like that crude. Uh, the U.S. is one of the few places in the world that can handle the very complex refining process of the heavy crudes. Uh, but we get a much better yield out of that. So, um, you know, the way it's set up now, we are exporting crude. We're exporting LNG. Um, to the rest of the world but we're importing the heavy complex crude that our refineries like and and i i think that's going to continue to happen unless there's a tax place on importing crude which, which is what our current administration is talking if that happens um it may then shift the financial model where our refineries it makes sense for them to retrofit um and and actually start processing the sweet crude we produce here regardless jake it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if we're import crude as long as we're exporting it. so um you know it's 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 Energy independence is doesn't necessarily mean that we only use the the hydrocarbons we produce ourselves. It just means do we use as much as we export, which we're just about there, if not there already. So, once again, a really good article. Um,
0: this was actually in the Houston Chronicle. Uh, so, the next article we have to have at least one just super biased article in here. Uh, this one's titled uh, "Emails Reveal EPA Scott Chief uh, eh, EPA Chief Scott Pruitt's Dirty Dealings." with the oil and gas industry. So the Senate recently confirmed the nominee Scott Pruitt to lead the EPA. And in case you haven't been listening and you just joined us, we've been talking about this quite a bit. Uh, Scott Pruitt was the Oklahoma Attorney General who's made a career um, out of taking on the EPA. And President Trump has campaigned heavily on the stance of completely eliminating the EPA in, quote unquote, almost every form. And his nomination of Scott Pruitt Pruitt uh, proves that he was actually serious. Um, so really what they're diving into is these emails that were released as part of a lawsuit, but they they, they put a spin on it, just like anything else, uh, trying to make the oil and gas industry look bad.
1: Yeah. So I love this article. So toward the end, the second last paragraph... Um, Temperatures and extreme weather events are also on the rise around the country and world. But Pruitt doesn't seem concerned about how the consequences of his energy and environmental policy affect the lives, health, and homes of the public at large. (laughs) What an evil man. Could you spin (laughs) this a bit more? And they also talk about the rise in earthquakes in Oklahoma caused by fracking, which has been disproven. It's caused by um, deep wastewater injection at the exact right geological place. And it's only a small increase. And we figured it out, so we've quit doing that deep wastewater injection. Um, The oil and gas industry figured out how to make the earthquakes go away. It's not caused by fracking, but one of the things they go into is these emails that were released, where oil and gas companies like Devon Energy actually helped um, helped him write some of the legalese and, and recommendations uh, that he was using while he was, um, you know, the uh, what was while he was Oklahoma you, Attorney General, Oklahoma Attorney General, and so what they don't understand. That's no different, Jake, than if you're a vendor to a big company and they ask you to help write the RFP, right? Because you're an expert. So he was relying on the scientists and experts in the oil and gas industry to help him bolster his case. So they're trying to make a conspiracy out of quite honestly, how people normally do business, not only in the government, but in the private sector. I mean, you know, back when I, before motor point exists and I worked for some other large, um, uh, tech companies that sold in oil and gas. One of my favorite things to do is to help my clients write an RFP, because guess what? I wrote it. And I had all the expertise, right? So, um, you know, th- this is the, uh, the intercept, which is, uh, obviously biased against what's going on. The EPA needs to be gutted. Uh, it's going to happen. Um, um, uh, Pruitt is the guy to take this on and clean all this stuff up and bring the EPA back to where it was originally where it actually was a positive thing for the American people and it answered to Congress so you know more power to him and and you know you know here's a perfect example of somebody taking some facts and, and a news article and spin it in a political way uh, just to make our industry look bad which is not new but kind of silly yeah
0: definitely no dirty dealings I think the only thing he was guilty of was actually doing his job yeah so all right up next uh, Exxon revises oil and gas reserves by 3.3 billion barrels or they're down by 3.3 billion barrels.
1: Yeah. So barrels under reserve is a legal term. It's it's sort of like the legal term assets. So if you want to judge the size of a financial institution, you look at assets, how many, how much cash they have, how many loans they have out, um, you know, what type of investments they yeah. have, you can judge the size of a financial An oil and all the gas company, you can judge its size by its barrels under reserve. And, and it basically means how many barrels of oil that you know you have that you can get out of the ground that makes business sense. So what's happening here in this low crude price environment, Exxon's taken some of its assets um, which is some heavy, heavy oil and saying it's not financially worth it to get these out of the ground. So it's coming off the balance sheets, which is what they should do, right? This is how investors make sure they're making good investments in, in companies is when their financials uh, records are in order. So that's all this is. Um, now what they they talk about a little bit about more in this article, which is important to understand is that uh, Exxon, even though they wrote down 3.3 billion barrels, they also um, added, um, over 20 billion barrels by the end of 2016. So this is just the normal business of an oil and gas company reporting its barrels on reserve metrics, which, I, like I said, is a legal and a financial uh, number.
0: Uh, so while speaking of super majors, uh, the next article is about uh, Total, Total, however you want to say it. Potato, potato. It's,
1: to- it's Total. <laughs> <laughs> They'll fuss at you. They're French. They don't like their names butchered.
0: So it's been a spectacular uh, past year and a half uh, for Total. Uh, the company's fast-growing production levels and management prudent cost-cutting has given Total the crown for the highest returns on equity in the integrated oil and gas business. So the article kind of dives into their position of strength in the market and some of the things that they're actually doing uh, to, to grow the company over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that, that they talk about in this article, which is important to know, is that Total is a pretty big investor in the Middle East. For years and years and years, it was hard for companies to make money in the Middle East because the the rules of doing business there was controlled by the Middle Eastern companies. Well, I think the OPEC companies particularly realized that their days of making money hand over fist by being a crude oil exporter only is rapidly disappearing. And so they needed to look at other ways to tap into that market, such as having refineries, so they have refined goods that they can sell to the to the rest of the world, <clears throat> uh, tapping into the LNG market, that sort of stuff. And Total is kind of ahead of all the other super majors and, and getting in the Middle East. So now they're actually making money in the Middle East, which is which is good. It's a it's a different revenue stream that a lot of the other super majors struggle with. Um, BP is another company that's out there. Exxon's been there forever. Chevron's there. Shell's been there. But Total is actually one of the ones that saw this change coming before anybody else and put themselves in a place where they could benefit from it. They're, they're a great company. They have a huge, huge facility here in, in Houston, Jake.
0: I think a big, yeah. another big part of it is they're also diversifying their portfolio. They've invested so much money into uh, renewable types of energy. Uh, they're a majority shareholder in SunPower, which is the second largest solar panel, panel manufacturer in the U.S. Uh, and they also made a $1 billion investment in a battery company called Saft.
1: Yeah, that, that energy storage business, that's, that's genius. That's, that's the next frontier. Um, everybody thinks of Tesla as the electric car company. They're really turning himself into an energy storage company. They right? just
0: changed their name too, from Tesla Motors to Tesla, I think, Inc.
1: Tesla Inc. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, Energy storage is so important for all of the renewables. That's, that's when it's our Achilles heel. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but typical wind farms actually a lot of times cut the 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 wind, the generators off because they make too much electricity that the local area can't use. Um, we have it here in Texas. We, our, our wind farms make more electricity we can use. And so now we're trying to figure out if we want to spend the money to build infrastructure so we can go sell our excess wind energy to the rest of the country. If you had a way to store that economically, that that's it could be a boom. And, and there's a lot of smart people working on that. And You're right, Jake, here's Total investing money in something that that may be a future, you know, major revenue stream for them.
0: Everybody talks about generating the electricity and the energy, but nobody ever talks about storing it. And that's really the biggest need.
1: Yeah. And and it's one of the big advantages of of hydrocarbons. So when you think about energy, any type of energy, you have the price to actually obtain it. You have the price to access it and you have the price to store it. So you think about wind energy, wind and solar is free, right? But actually building the windmills and building the solar panels are not. It's very expensive. And to store it is prohibitively expensive. Oil and gas, to access it, is usually you have to pay for it, right? You have to buy a lease. Um, To to actually tap into it is not as expensive as wind farms or solar. Drilling a well, when you look at the number of BTUs that you get out of it's really not that expensive. But storing it, Jake, is free. It just sits in the ground. It doesn't cost you anything. Yep and so a lot of people don't understand how that works so it's um that's the next big breakthrough is the ability to store uh, uh energy electricity specifically and like i said here's total investing in a company that's on the forefront of doing that they're probably in a race with tesla right now to see who get there first
0: <laughs> so up next, Citigroup's managing director Jeff Seeler told the Houston Producers Forum recently, "We've got evidence that refracts clearly work. Refracking is not so much of a mystery to me as it once was." So one one person I read about was counted uh, 200,000 refracts prior to unconventional refracking. Obviously, uh, these are mostly in vertical wells, uh, but it does take planning. So I think what's interesting about this is today there's a big inventory of old unconventional shell wells to look at. Not to mention. Horizontal wells uh, that were originally fracked just a few years ago. And the cost of refracking is only 25 to 40% the cost of drilling a new horizontal well.
1: Yeah, and the technology has changed much. The wells that were originally fracked were not done very well. It was a guessing game. And now we have the science behind it. So uh, refracking works. And, and actually, refracking, not only it work, but they talk in here about something called in, infill drilling. And infill drilling is where you actually space wells, new wells, in between old wells. So the well. Uh, the space between wells is less, and you can actually use that. Use one well for um, stimulation and use the other well for extraction. And so, refracking works perfectly in that world. Um, but once again, you gotta have the right science, you have the right geology, you have to have the right operators, you have to have the right tools. Um, and and most of the shell plays, the older wells are prime for refracking. So if you think about that, Jake, that means you could take a well that's hit its decline curve or maybe stop producing and you can bring it back in production without drilling another well. And this is one of the one of the many things where I when I keep saying that we're in this hydrocarbon abundant world forever, this is a perfect example. Because the other thing, Jake, they're talking about refracking the shell plays fracking is basically well stimulation so one of the many yeah. well stimulation techniques there's already been proof of concepts done in capped wells in the gulf of mexico where they went in and fracked it and they were able to go into production think of all the capped wells in the world jake that, yeah. that you could go yeah. and do well stimulation in right so um good story this is a, a from oil and gas investor and um, i like the fact that city groups talking about it from an investment point of view showing that it makes financial sense um that Making financial sense is going to be the driver for all the new technologies that are brought into in, into our industry from now and in, in the future, um, which is which is really cool stuff. It's going to drive a lot of efficiencies and adaptation of new technology, new processes, uh, new materials. Um, so I'm ready for it.
0: Especially when you have companies like Pioneer, BHV Billiton, Marathon, Anadarko, and they're all doing refracs. I think that it's tells obviously you a witty. right yeah, there. Exactly. All right, up next, uh, the next article is about seventy percent of oil and gas companies have actually been hacked. And the threat is growing. This is something that I've actually experienced firsthand. Um, You hacked an oil and gas company, Jay? I haven't hacked one yet, but I have (laughs) been there when someone's been hacked. Um, They're making themselves targets. Uh, We've talked about how the industry really lacks uh, in technology, especially in the back office. Um, But a lot of companies are starting to embrace new software, new digital solutions uh, to drive efficiency, uptime, improve safety, reduce cost, yada, 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 right? But at the same time, they've been putting themselves more at risk uh, to be hacked and to have their data compromised.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a different world. It's a a bunch of things come together to create this perfect storm around this. So one is as we uh, enter to the digital oil field, you now have many more points for the bad guys to enter in the old days. If you wanted to go hack some um, production well out in West Texas, you had to drive out there, climb over the fence, go unlock the padlocks that are locking the valves and turn the valve handles. Right. There's a lot of work and a lot of chance of getting caught. Now all, that's, all that stuff's being automated, right? There's process automation. So now you're able to go in from the, the internet, actually enter into those process controls and, and do stuff. The other thing that's happening is it used to be hackers were a bunch of bored 14-year-old kids in like Miami. you know. Um, now it's state-sponsored. So it's extremely smart people that are sponsored by the state. Uh, China, Russia, you know, go on and on and they have the best tools and equipment and they're looking for financial information So they're looking for data that can help them make money Well, when you have some way to make money from hacking and you have the state sponsoring it All of a sudden the number of people you have doing it goes through the roof so you have more points of entry for the bad guys because we're moving toward a more digital oil field and Much smarter much bigger group of bad guys And our industry as a whole um, is is doesn't always like to jump on the newest technologies yep. and, and there's a lot of technologies a lot of active artificial intelligence and and active technologies and cybersecurity that don't depend on old signature based stuff right where you match up the signature of, of this malware and oh yes it's identified as bad now there's a lot of stuff out there that's proactive that that's literally almost thinking that's looking at each packet of data and seeing how it's behaved um our industry isn't will never be the first to jump on that but because we're becoming more of a technology industry we're gonna have to become more of a digital security industry as well um you don't want somebody hacking a pipeline or a refinery so um this, this is a good article that jake found showing how we're behind the times um, they talk a lot about um, operational technology so ot not just it um and and that's exactly what i mean i'm talking about digital oil film but i fully suspect jake that as we learn what these threats are because you know our industry doesn't like threats at all and we yep. don't we manage risk very well i'm sure that we'll move from being the laggards in cybersecurity to probably some of the top cybersecurity experts in any industry in the next 10 years probably less than that next five years
0: yep so speaking of technology the next article actually the next two articles are kind of diving into technology in this space uh the first one jumps into how oil and gas data management market is growing significantly uh as you and i both know every segment of oil and gas produces massive 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 amounts of data which needs to be classified and streamlined for enhanced performance um so you you have to manage your data right
1: and, and what's, what's happening is, so you have this large amount of data and the amount of data that the oil and gas industry generates is growing exponentially because of what I just talked about earlier. Now you have more parts and pumps and sensors all talk to the internet. Um, And because that, you have more data to deal with, and you have to manage that data. You have to have understand your structured data versus your non-structured data. Um, You have to understand where your data resides, which parts of that data are useful. You know, you can run big data analytics on any large data set, but if that large data set is corrupt, the information you get out from the analysis is will also be corrupt. Yep. So you know, our our industry as a whole has always been a big data industry, especially geoscience. But now you're having you know little wells out in Texas kick out you know megabits of data a second because they're all wired and so it's um that managing that data it takes takes real expertise I, I you know I actually had a chance um uh, years ago and I worked for Forrester Research to work with uh, Chevron on a whole um structured versus unstructured data project and this was before you might knew what those things were right and so Chevron did a really good job of recognizing that was a problem in the future and they needed to put the process and the procedures in place then so that when they got here in time um they were able to manage all this data that they, that they, they were able to collect so it's um it's it's this industry is growing at a rapid pace. This whole data thing is huge. Um, the number one job that nobody can fill right now on gas is data scientist, uh, which didn't even exist a while back. And here's a perfect article that Jake found talking about you know why we need that type of data management and people
0: to understand how to do this. So our industry can continue to move forward. And those that don't understand data management, it's really just due to a lack of awareness. Um, This, like we've talked about, this industry is really just the last one to adopt anything. And that's because they're really trying to just lower their risk, lower their exposure to anything going wrong. Because when things go wrong in this industry, what happens? People die. People die. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. And and, and so, you know, anything new is always looked upon suspect, right? Always anything new that's brought in. Instead of looking at the value of what the new thing is, what it does, the first thing you think of is what is the risk of me changing from what I'm doing now. And in this case, even if they don't have good data management, it's still a risk because they're changing from what they're doing now. Now, I tell you this, what Jake? There's some big companies out there that I know got their hands around this and they're moving light years ahead of their competitors who don't have their hands around this. So, yep. you know, if, if you're an oil and gas company and of, of any size and you haven't gotten started thinking about this, you, this needs to be thought through in your strategic planning because it, it's here to stay.
0: So the next article is an article. It's uh, kind of piggybacking on the last one. It's talking about how artificial intelligence is holding promise for seismic and drilling data. Uh, it's by SPE. So it kind of dives into AI, so artificial intelligence and machine learning. So if you're kind of unaware with what that is. Machine learning is an AI technique that allows computers to handle new situations uh, through analysis, self-training observation, and experience. And the technique relies on the application of algorithms like mathematical concepts, primarily statistics, and uh, linear algebra to process it, to analyze it, and to predict future courses of action based on the data. So really it's it becomes predictive and it learns over time. Um, So we've seen a huge, huge increase in funding in this space. Uh, I was reading another article kind of just looking at the entire AI slash machine learning startup space. And in the US over the last like three to five years, I can't remember exactly what it was. We've had $5 billion worth of funding thrown into AI and thrown into machine learning. Uh, And 0% of that was in oil and gas. Okay, Uh, It was all in other industries. Um, So just like we talked about a second ago, this is fantastic. And it's it's really the future of where we're going. But there's some major challenges that the industry as a whole has to overcome before we can even get to this point. So for one, you need large amounts of data. And like we talked about, you need really, really high quality data. If it's bad data in, you're just getting bad data out. Uh, And especially when you're kind of going into machine learning, it's essentially the automation of you can feed information back to machines to automate things, right? And so if you're feeding in bad data, then that can really go awry pretty quickly. Uh, Another big problem is just the aggregation of data. Since you need large amounts of it, you can't really have it siloed. And so those are the problems that the industry as a whole is really going to have to overcome before we can really completely, uh, I guess, utilize the, the, the benefits of artificial intelligence or machine learning. Yeah,
1: so people may not know this, but IBM Watson, which is artificial intelligence, they have a dedicated oil and gas sales practice. Um, and they also have dedicated medical and others. But just the fact that IBM recognizes its potential in oil and gas, and they're willing to dedicate part of Watson's time, resources, and money to oil and gas shows you there's something big here. Um, anybody out there um, that's in school that is uh, a geologist or a geophysicist, I'm telling you, go take some data classes. Go take some uh, big data analytic classes. The combination of big data analytics, so think of of mining, every field Chevron's ever drilled in Chevron's history, combined with measurement while drilling in real time, so literally the the machine knows where that drill bit is in real time at all times, combine that with machine learning where you have experienced geologists teaching the machines – you're in the pay zone. You're not in the pay zone. You're in the pay zone. You're not in the pay zone. That is automatically going to make cha- fundamentally change the geosciences and oil and gas. The machines are actually better than the people. The machines don't get tired. They can look at a 1,000 data streams a second, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They don't change the way they work if they get mad at their spouse or if they didn't, you know, had a bad day or whatever. And so in the, in the very near future, the geologists and geophysicists that actually can work in this big data world are going to be in super high demand. And somewhere down the road, Jake, I think the machines are going to put – um those the the geoscience is out of work because um, machines are actually be better and when i say stuff i guess people always get a little upset with me and go well you're talking about technology replacing people yes but then you have new jobs that didn't exist like we talked about earlier data scientists that job didn't exist in this industry a few years ago uh, yep. drone pilots you know so so the number of jobs are going to stay the same actually i think the number of jobs will go up it's just what they do is going to change um but you know some of this stuff is really cool so you know, you see um, Amazon's Echo and uh, uh, Google's Voice and, um, you know, Siri and Cortana, um, they're starting to understand natural language processing, which is the holy grail, where you can just talk to it and it understands the difference between a pair, as in the fruit, and a pair, as in a pair of scissors. That's That takes a lot of technology for some somebody, for for a piece of software to understand those two differences. So this is something that's huge in our industry. It's continued to grow like crazy and it's going to provide a lot of benefit. One of the things that could going to do, Jake, is it's going to drop coffee. Yeah, You could be able to go and um, do a better job of finding hydrocarbons and producing them. And it's also going to drive safety metrics, right? It's going to be safer because you have less people doing dangerous stuff. I'd rather have a machine control a drone inspecting the outside of a rig in the North Sea than having to hang some guy off a rope, right? Um, and so this is all good stuff. But like I said, our industry changing. This is a, a great
0: example of, of of what's changing right smack in the middle of our industry. Yeah. And like you said, people, people always getting scared about losing their jobs. The thing is that you whatever you do provides uh, value to the market, right? And so look at like the, the industrial revolution in the 1900s. We had all these factory jobs. How many factory jobs do we have today? Not many because most of them are automated, Right. Right. So, and, and it's you know even things like
1: so, so you t- look at what we're doing here with this podcast. So we're actually producing good content. We hope that our audience loves. <laughs> but you know we're going to start using more and more technology to help spread the word of our podcast. You know with oil and gas HSN we're doing Facebook ads, and I'm using the artificial intelligence that's built into Facebook to make sure that we show people that work in HSN in the oil and gas industry that are on Facebook. Hey, we have a podcast for you. So you know it's it's just a matter of adopting with it. You just you know constantly learn us people always ask you what are the, the kind of the keys to success and that's one of the things is always be learning if you're always if you're always learning new stuff you're in a good place
0: yeah exactly so hopefully you guys enjoyed the stories this week hopefully you found them interesting uh next week i think is going to be our first friday q a so if you haven't wrote in yet any questions i know we've got a, quite a few already uh submit a question let us know what you want to talk about uh, anything that you might be curious or some topics that you're interested in uh, and we'll be glad to answer that for you
1: yeah, and it's actually really simple to do. Go to um, oilandgasthisweek.com, click on ask a question, type your question in there. Um, this is a good spot for us to pause and talk about Red Wing. Uh, without Red Wing, show wouldn't be possible. Um, we have a winner of this week's Red Wing bag. It is Colin Beasley with uh, Deerberry Resources. He's a well engineer. So congratulations, Colin. You've won this awesome Red Wing offshore bag. Jake, you have a Red Wing offshore. You have two of them, don't you now? Oh, man, those things are huge, and they're awesome. Yeah, so if, if you want to win one like um, Colin did, and the same one that Jake and I and Patrick and everybody else has, it's really simple to do. You go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Throw your information in there, and we draw one lucky winner a week. And Jake, i got to give a plug for our other show. So we also give um, away the same bag on the Oil & Gas HS&E show, but because that audience is so much smaller than Jake and I's audience, it's, you have a much bigger chance of winning. So if you've been entering on this show for a while and you haven't won one yet, go over oil and gas hs&e listen to that show enter there and you have a bigger chance of winning um and then jake it's uh what's our rig count looking for like
0: so we are up three for a total of 754 rigs continuing the
1: it. trend and it's fantastic I, uh, I was actually telling my wife the other day that we should put a pool together because I want everybody to predict what the recounts could be at the end of the year. And I told her what my number was, which is 1,300. She looked at me like I was crazy. She goes, there's no way. She goes, I'll bet against you right now. I'll go, bring it on, sister. <laughs> bring it on. I'm telling you, 1,300 by December 31st of 2017. We'll see. <laughs> And Then we have our events on deck. So we have inspiring leadership based on engagement. This is a webinar uh, put on by SPE. It's free, I believe. Um, and it's February 28th at 8:30 a.m. And then next week, Jake, you don't know about this either. I keep surprising you on the show. Next week we have the Pipeline Pigging Integrity Management Conference. But unfortunately, Jake, I could only get two press passes. So you and Patrick aren't going. <laughs> I think I think I'll page. be I think I'll
0: be fine on that
1: one. I don't yeah. even know what pigging means um i should make it up to see if uh, p- piggins basically when they um they put a device in a pipeline to either clean it or measure or whatever, and and they use pressure to run it through a pipeline. And in the old days, it was made of steel, and the washers that sealed it to the pipeline were made of leather, and it squealed just like a pig coming through a pipeline. It sounded like a pig in a pipeline, so that's where the name came from. Um, <laughs> but anyway, if you'd like to learn about pigging and all the other conferences, we have a, a great monthly email newsletter that Modal Point puts out each month. We take all the oil and gas events, put them in one place. We throw in some free passes, uh, some invites to some stuff that nobody else knows about. And it's free. We don't charge you for it. So Jake will put a link in the show notes so you can sign up for the monthly oil uh, and gas events email.
0: And just like we did last week, we read off a few of the, the reviews, and I just checked a second ago, and we got quite a few reviews over the course of the last week. So I thought I would take some time to give some shout-outs and read some of those. Do it. Uh, first one up. Great content. Sincerely, Gideon. Uh, as a GIS major at Texas a who wants to work in the oil and gas industry, I've greatly benefited from this podcast. It is a great resource for learning about oil and gas and understanding current events and trends in the industry. Thank you, Mark and Jake. Uh, another one. An insightful show for all things oil and gas from our tombs. Very happy that I ran across this podcast on iTunes. The guys provide insightful discussion on the latest oil and gas news in the industry. Thanks. Yeah, great stuff.
1: Um, if you would like to leave a review, I've had so many people tell me that it's so complicated that Jake, I found a HubSpot article that literally takes you step-by-step on how to leave a review in iTunes. It's in the show notes. So Jake will stick that in our show notes. So if you struggle with leaving an iTunes review for us, now you can just open this up and it'll take you step-by-step through there. Um, and please, if you've left us a review, we really appreciate it. If you're a new listener and you haven't left us a review or... More importantly, if you're an old listener and you owe us a review because you haven't done one yet, just please take the three minutes, leave Jake and I a review. It helps us rank higher in the search engine. It also helps people realize that this podcast is worth listening to because they see all the five stars. And if you don't like the podcast, let tell us. I mean, we would we, prefer four and five stars, but if we have a one star, we want to know that as well. Um, we talked about the website. Um, there's a, uh, You can actually go add your email uh, um, address to the website. We won't spam you. It's where you can find out about stuff first. And you can find out stuff, stuff about the show second on our LinkedIn group. So LinkedIn group is Oil & Gas Global Network. Um, it is the sister to this show and all the other shows. Uh, I mentioned hs podcast earlier. We also have an Oil & Gas Industry Leaders podcast launching hopefully in March with Paige Wilson. So uh, go join the LinkedIn group. Uh, go sign up for the email list on Oil & Gas this week. Um, leave us a review, and we will see you here next week. Ready to get out of here, Jake? Let's do it. All right, folks. Do great work. Pay it forward. And we will see you next time.